Belichick is is out of his mind. I don't know what's wrong with this guy. Can we please, can we please get rid of this guy? He sucks. You know what? I hate this team. I'm not even a Boston fan anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it. I can't. You're listening to Jake's Take on Curry College Radio. Swings it over to the near side. Right point now. Grizzlet pulls it off the wall. He lost it. Now he's in a foot race. Lawton speeds into the slot. Short-handed backhand. Swayman the save. In transition now. The Bruins... Four on two, over the line. Marchand high slot, right circle, Pasternak. Swings to the slot, fired, they score! Second of the game, Bergeron from the slot. A snipe through Carter Hart. Two-nothing Bruins. And welcome, welcome, welcome into the program, everybody. How's it going? It's Jake's Take on Curry College Radio. I am your host, Jake Force, WMLN 91.5 FM, Milton, Boston. 91.5 on your FM dial. You can also find me on the TuneIn app and you search WMLN. It's that easy. You download the TuneIn app and just search WMLN. You'll hear me. You'll hear all of our other great, great hosts here on the station. If you can't catch the whole show tonight, hey, that's not a problem, because guess what? You'll hear the podcast tomorrow. Uh, But here's the thing. If you want to hear all the music that I'm playing and, you know, what I'm in the mood for that night, you got to tune in with us live here. So that's the uh, that's the whole catch here on Jake's Take. We're doing stuff. We're mixing it up a little bit. So we had a we had a fun week. We had a fun week. We all three teams on yesterday. All three of my Boston teams on last night. They all had games. I had one going on the computer. I had one going on the TV, and I had one going on the Xbox. I had the Celtics going on the Xbox. <clears throat> the Bruins on the computer. The Sox on the TV. God, it was great. It was great. It was in heaven. Just absolutely amazing. Uh, Bruins, though. Bruins have had a, a, a weird week. It was a weird week, and I, I kind of wanted to. You heard, you heard the call of the game last night. Big save, and and then a Pasternak goal by, uh, big save by Jeremy Swayman. Jeremy Swayman. How about Jeremy Swayman in his first NHL game, facing forty shots, making thirty eight saves, and making that season goaltender at the other side who's having a horrible year. He's making him look like a fool too. What? How great that was to see. My goodness, that was. But the, but that Penguins game on Saturday, that was good back and forth entertaining hockey. Bruins actually gave me a reason to like when they put on those yellow jerseys. They they played well with them in Lake Tahoe at the outdoor game, and then they've worn them a couple times since, and they've played like crap. But the other day against Pittsburgh, they wore those yellows. They broke out the yellow alternates, and uh, they played pretty good. Seven to five, the final score. Just really offensive game, back and forth, good hockey. You chirping Sidney Crosby at the end. Like I love it. I love it. The Bruins were chirping Sidney Crosby at the end. Here's the problem with that game. Who had goals in that game? David Pasternak had a hat trick. Brad Marchand had two. Bergeron and Krejci with a goal apiece. There needs to be scoring from other guys we need to get 
the guys lower on the totem pole putting the puck in the net. And it's not happening. It's not happening. Even when the team wins, even when they score a lot of goals. They scored seven goals the other day, and none of them were were from any of the, the players that you'd hope, which is a Kuhlman. Even, he scored last night, but a Richie. Trent Frederick has disappeared. Charlie Coyle. I mean, none of these guys. It wasn't from any of them. It had to all come from your top guys. And we need more than that. That's not how Stanley Cup teams function. It's just not. But this Bruins team keeps teetering this year, and then they rope you back in. They get out of it, and the, you know you lose your confidence in them, and then they come back and have a game like 7-5 to five against Pittsburgh or a good complete effort like last night, and they, they draw you back in. But the again, the first Flyers game, like what what was that? Even though you lose in overtime, you still need more goals against a struggling team like that. It's it's just it's inexcusable. It's inexcusable. And speaking of scoring help, one of the teams that you've been having a trouble having trouble with all season, they just plucked Travis Zaychak and Kyle Palmieri from the New Jersey Devils. That's right, the New York Islanders just got Travis Zaychak and Kyle Palmieri, who's killed the Bruins this season. Only the Bruins and really no other team. He hasn't really played well against any other team. We'll see how he does against his own team, the Devils, his former team, I guess. But he's killed the Bruins all year. And the Islanders have killed the Bruins all year, and now that's going to be a problem. But back to the Bruins. I mean, Brad Marchand has been carrying the team right now. And you need to get help from the bottom six forwards. It's just... It, it's getting tiring at this point. Anders Bjork needs to score goals. Charlie Coyle needs to score goals. Carson Kuhlman needs to score goals. Chris Wagner needs to get involved. Jake DeBrusque needs to score goals. There's a 30-goal scorer a few years ago. Where has he been? I think it's time to get him out of here. But you need to get help from that bottom six. There has just been no scoring from anyone down there. Everyone down there has been invisible, and I think everybody down there is on the chopping block right now when it comes to this trade deadline. And are, 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 you're still going to have to worry about teams like Washington and Pittsburgh, and the I mean the Islanders are the Islanders are a hazard for you at this point. Islanders are an absolute hazard. For you at this point in time. I mean you have no way. Of beating that team right now. You've barely been able to score goals against them all year. Everything you do against the New York Islanders. There's a New York Islander right there. And now they have Kyle Palmieri. Who's killed you all season. It's just. It's. I mean it's. it's it, it stinks. Tuka Rask. My goodness, we'll get to that a little bit after uh, in the in the next segment. But my goodness, what what is going to happen with Tuka Rask? First, he's day to day, and then he's week to week, and then he's not responding to any of the treatment for his back that well. And uh, it's just like, oh my god, this guy's a basket case. He's a basket case. I love Tuka Rask. 
I love watching him play. He's an entertaining goalie. He's a Vezina Trophy type of goalie to watch play. But, man, he's a basket case. And as much as you love watching him on the ice, what good is he if he's never on the ice? What good is he if he can't play for you? What good is he if he's got to leave in the middle of the playoffs? What good is he if he's going to not show up in Game 7 of the Stanley Cup Finals? It's getting to a tipping point with Tuka Rask, and I, I don't know where to go from here. I, I, I really don't. I want to see him come back. I want to see him do well. <clears throat> I know he's had struggles in his personal life. It, it would be, be great to see him get back between the pipes and just and, and thrive, but he's just not there. So I, I, he, he, I hate to say he quits on the team every year, but he, he, he quits on the team every year. He quits on the team every year, whether it's in within his control or not. He quits on them every year, and it's unfortunate because, of course, the Boston Bruins get stuck with this. Of course, the team that's been to the Stanley Cup and lost it more times than like anybody else in the league. This is, of course, what we get dealt with. And now you're think you're 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 dealing with the prospect, and we'll in the next segment here we'll get to Fluto Shinzawa's column in the Athletic, and what he's been seeing about Tukarask as well as the Bruins on the defensive end. But where's Tukarask going to be when we need him this year? That's my question. And it sounds like a cold-blooded question, I know, but where's he going to be? Because in the past, where has he been? He hasn't been there for you. And I'm getting to a tipping point. And after seeing Jeremy Swayman and, and Dan Vladar look like they could, you know, be the, the goaltending tandem of the future, maybe. I mean, I don't know if I would go that far yet. But I loved what I saw from Swayman last night. That kid is good. He's athletic. He was entertaining to watch in goal. And it's tough to make the goalie position entertaining. It's it's a it's a it seems like a pretty robotic position when you think about it. But it's tough to make that position entertaining. And I don't know that kid made it entertaining. We'll see how he fares against these better teams. But that I liked watching him. And the fact that I mean he saw it in his first game. He he really got it. Like I couldn't believe, could not believe what the the amount of shots he was getting and just how he he held his composure the whole game. He, you know, it was funny in the early in the game the the referees had him laughing about something and ja, uh, Jack Edwards is talking about how the referee is sitting there saying, "Yeah, easy game, right?" And it, it, I don't know, it just it it I thought that was funny because you know you come into the league and you think you know what it's going to be like, but then it hits you in the face and it's it's tough. And to see the kid out there early in the game being able to rattle off a laugh and and do that whole thing, that, that was good to see. That was good to see. He's confident in there. He's composed. And it just makes you think with Tuka Rask and doing what he does and Yaroslav Halak of course is is getting old and is a, a journeyman goalie 
at this point. It has been for a while. Are these two guys the future? You start to ask that question. Are these? Is this the future goaltending tandem of the Boston Bruins? And Dan Vladar, I know he's been good in there for the couple of starts that he's had to make. But a lot of people in NHL circles apparently say that he is projected as an NHL backup. So that'll be interesting to watch. But Jeremy Swayman. Jeremy Swayman. I want to see that kid play more because... Last night gave me confidence that you may possibly have the goalie of the future. And finding the goalie of the future in this league with the way goalie contracts work and the way just the just how tough it is to to retain goalies and just to just to nail down that good one. It's like nailing down the quarterback in in the NFL. I mean, to get that household goalie, like the way that the Kings got Jonathan Quick. I mean, that is the dream scenario right there. And I don't know, give this kid a few more starts, see what he's got, because he's athletic, he's fun to watch. He had to dig for a couple of pucks, and he looked he looked comfortable in his first game. And if he strings together a few more of these games, I think you should keep him around. Jeremy Swayman, I mean, hopefully that becomes a name that we remember. It just sounds like that kind of Boston Bruins name, doesn't it? Jeremy Swayman. Uh, I don't, you, you know, it it has a, it, it to me, it has a Bruins ring to it, that name. And I liked what I saw from the kid the other day. So we'll talk about some more Bruins on the other side. Good to see Jeremy Swayman, you know, getting it done in his game. Right now, though, uh, and, and by the way, we don't have a lot of, we always celebrate album anniversaries here on Jake's Take. We don't really have, like, a lot of, of albums that came out this week but there is one that had a couple of songs i'm sure everybody's familiar with aerosmith uh actually released toys in the attic on april 8th 1975 that's tomorrow so toys in the attic will turn 46 years old and it of course featured walk this way and which we'll get to in a little later in the show but for now it's this one it's sweet emotion we'll talk some more bruins on the other side, it's Jake's Take on Curry College Radio, WMLN 91.5 FM, Milton, Boston. Do not go anywhere. College Radio at 91.5. Belichick is, is out of his mind. I don't know what's wrong with this guy. Can we please, can we please get rid of this guy? He sucks. You know what? I hate this team. I'm not even a Boston fan anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it. I can't. You're listening to Jake's Take on Curry College Radio. We always ask, um, he's here getting some treatments, um, just hasn't responded as well as anybody likes. So sometimes when you're given a definitive, hey, this guy is out for X amount of time or he had surgery or this or that, then it's a little easier to put behind you. But when it's kind of a, a day-to-day thing where 
players here uh, getting treatment, then you ask a little more. So uh, am I, you know, biting my fingernails off over it? No, I guess to answer your question, only, you know, Tuca is your number one and you do wonder what, you know, when can we expect them and you just don't get an answer for that. So, um, so that's what you're up against. All right, so that's Bruce Cassidy on the Tuka Rass situation, and he's okay. So he's not responding. So what does that mean? What does that mean, Bruce? What is that? What exactly are we dealing with here? I get that it's not really any. It, it's kind of out of everybody's hands. I mean, the guy's dealing with back pain, and they were saying, you know. They said on a couple, I I heard them saying on a couple of the Sports Hub shows over the course of the week that, you know, chronic back soreness, maybe not chronic back soreness, but just back soreness in general is like, you know, you're not going to really tell a guy that is, you you, you tell someone their back's not sore and it's, it's about the worst thing you can ever say to a person, um, as far as uh, the reaction that you'll get. So how bad is Tuka Rass back pain? I don't know. They're se- they're trying to do therapy on it, and it's not responding the way that anybody would like. So I doubt that this guy doesn't want to be playing when this is his last shot at a cup. So I would buy how hard he is. I, I-, I buy that. Because it's been shady on Tuka Rask in the past, you know, we, we we don't know what to believe about him. We don't know what to think, what's true and what's not. But you heard, like Bruce Cassidy said there, just hasn't responded as well as anybody likes. Um, you know, sometimes when this guy is out for X amount of time where he had surgery or it's, it's a, easy, a little easier to put behind you. When it's day-to-day and the player's getting treatment, you know, then you start to ask them a little bit more about you start to pressure the team a little the medical team a little bit it's just it's an unfortunate state of affairs we don't really know but Fluto Shinzawa writes in the athletic Fluto Shinzawa of course the Bruins beat writer in the athletic he says Cassidy isn't the only one inquiring about the stall of Rass recovery around the league rivals are wondering how Rass condition Touches the Bruins on two fronts, the trade deadline movement and their rotation for 2021-2022. He continues, on March 7th, at the end of the Bruins' 1-0 loss to New Jersey, Rask skated to the bench while pressing his glove against his lower back. For Cassidy, this was like seeing his mechanic shake his or her head after peeking under the hood. That's a, that's a, that's a good reference there, Fluto. Nice writing. He says Rask, missed, Rask has, you know, missed time since then. Um, and Fluto writes a little bit further down. He says, short term, the sense I get is the Bruins really don't know when Rask will, will be available. Cassidy compared the goalie situation of that to Kevin Miller, who has now missed 19 games because of a flare-up in his right knee. You know, and, and Rask is 34 years old. It doesn't encourage rapid recovery when his symptoms have lingered longer than expected. And the Bruins have been satisfied with the pinch-hitting performance of Yaroslav Halak and Dan, Dan Vladar. 
it's unlikely they could find an upgrade before the April 12th deadline. So I don't know what this talk is about the Bruins possibly going after a goalie at the deadline. Listen, there are so many other things on this team that need to be fixed. And while I've always preached that the team that ultimately goes the furthest in the playoffs is the team that got the hot goalie. Just look back through the years at teams who won the Stanley Cup. I mean, Niemi, like I've, I think I said this on the show last week, Niemi and Crawford with the Blackhawks, you quick with the one in those two with the Kings. Tim Thomas with the Bruins was the by far the hottest goalie in hockey. I mean, Vasilevsky last year, Braden Holtby with the Capitals. I mean, the team, it, it's a trend. The team with the hottest goalie, a lot of times, it instantly it catapults your chances of of winning the cup. But Ka- but Fluto quotes Cassidy, and Cassidy continues, said, am I biting my fingernails off of it? No. He said, Vladdy is getting an opportunity. He's played well. Vladar is getting an opportunity. I thought he held us in the game early Thursday against Pittsburgh. He gave us a chance to win every game he's played, and he's won two of them. Yarrow is advertised to me. Yarrow is as advertised to me. I think he's played well for the most part. A couple bad periods here and there over the stretch of games he's played. I think that's very normal. I'm comfortable with whoever we put out there. And I, I got to say, like, until Rask is okay, I got to say I agree with that. I don't want you making a move for a goalie right now when these two kids look good and it looks like you could possibly have the goalie of the future. So... I think he should sit tight on the goalie front for now. But it's it's just it's a tough situation. It's a really it's a really really tough situation like in that, you know, in, in Fluto talks about here in that Pittsburgh game in Saturday's 7-5 win over Pittsburgh, you know, Halak let in three stoppable pucks, that's true. Including a long distance Sidney Crosby shorthanded thought, shot in the third with no traffic in front. Halak's had a lot of those this year where it's gone it goes right at the glove and he it just it goes by him or it goes right in between his body and his arm or it goes right in between somewhere that it shouldn't go and it makes you mad it's just maddening because you know it happens to goalies all the time and you don't want to be mad at him for it but it's like oh it happens all the time it happens all the time so that's a it, 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 it's tough. But Fluto ends the goalie uh, talk with he says if Rask isn't back, the Bruins could chase Chris Drager, or, or I'm sorry, Chris Drager. My goodness, not Chris Drager. That's a that's another that's Chris Drager is a hockey legend who's not a goalie. Um, it says the Bruins could chase Chris Dreiger, Currently sharing the Florida net with Sergei Bobrovsky. So, I mean, if he's sharing a net with Bobrovsky, I mean, he, he must be pretty good. The Panthers could let Dreiger walk because of the pending arrival of Spencer Knight, who signed his entry-level contract after completing his sophomore season at Boston College. It's possible. Uh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. The Bruins could be the team that triggers the annual off-season game of goaltending musical chairs. It would be an unfamiliar position. And that's the thing that I worry about is, like, these goalies, man, they're hard to nail down. And these teams that do it, they get lucky. I mean, the Rangers have had Lundqvist this whole time, and for, unfortunately for them, they've never achieved the ultimate goal 
They've come very close, but it, it, it just, you know, it's upsetting that they're in this position because the goalie market is a tough market to be in. It's a really tough market. It's like being in, like I said earlier, it's like being in the quarterback market. It's just really hard to pin down that guy, and it's it's kind of the way this league has always worked, especially with these long contracts that they give out now, and it's it's tough. And I'm not looking forward to the Bruins being in that position, but if you got the next guys, then you got the next guys. And we, we got to give them a few more reps here. I think that they are deserving of that. I think Jeremy Swayman and Dan Vladar are, you know, deserving of getting a few more games in there. I think they should start Swayman the next time, next couple of times they need to start a backup. But because I just want to see what they have with him. I Like, I just want to see what's there. And I know that you need to make a push this season, but at the same time, you got to look to the future. And maybe if a young kid's in net, that motivates the team to play in front of him more. Maybe it's a good thing. But Fluto continues here. I gotta get I gotta get to this. The defense needs a trade upgrade, Fluto says. Brandon Carlo, who missed ten games before who missed ten games because of a concussion, who because of that yeah, that was because of that hit from Tom Wilson several weeks back for with the Capitals. Uh Brandon Carlo is out week to week because of a new injury. Great. That's awesome. Uh, and Kevin Miller is getting closer, but remains unavailable. This is from a couple of days ago. Kevin Miller just came back last night. The right side is bruised, but it's the healthy left side that is caving in the Bruins, specifically Jeremy Lozon and Jakob Zaborl. One NHL scout did not have much good to report on Lozon's recent play, especially the in-the-skates pass he threw to Patrice Bergeron on March 30th that led to a Miles Wood goal. And uh, the, what about that Lozon pass against, um, oh, who was it against? I think I talked about it last week on the show. It might have been the game against the Devils. Jeremy Lozon, that pass, like, right in front of the goal. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing, dude? Fluto continues, Lozon is playing, it, Lozon is trying to puff away the cobwebs of 13 missed games because of a fractured left wrist, but the Bruins have no choice but to take the 23-year-old out of uniform against Pittsburgh on Saturday because of his scattershot play. And this was a, a, another thing that the that that Bruce Cassidy touched on, and he's been touching on lately, and Lozon's been a particular culprit. Cassidy said, I get frustrated with, with the younger guys that make the same mistakes or can't get their shot through from the point. Cassidy said, it's frustrating when teams collapse against you you get it low to high, you look like you've got some action, you get a shot blocked, and back they come. Which is So basically, to translate this first part, there's more of this quote, but to translate the first part into English, what Bruce Cassidy is basically saying is that he gets really frustrated when it seems like the Bruins pass the puck around enough to get the defense in a clump, and then they finally get it up high to the point, they get a shot, and some dude blocks it and it bounces back out behind the Bruins' defense, and now back the other team comes in a two-on-one. And it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch because he's right. The Bruins haven't been able to get shots through from the point all season. And you got to stop hesitating. you got to just you got to get the thing and fire it. I used to hate when coaches, say, coaches said that, but, man, it's true. But Cassidy continues here. He goes... 
Then you're in the penalty box. You know, they you get the shots blocked back. They come. Then you're in the penalty box, and you lose momentum. That's the frustration. That's just a learning curve for some of them. Some of them will learn it and be better for, off for it. Some of them won't, and they won't be here. That's not unique to our team. Every young guy that comes into this league has to figure it out and find a way. We're here to help them. Eventually, you make a decision with them. God, this guy is just so real. He's so really so cold with the way that he says that. I almost want to repeat that. It's like that is just for anybody who doesn't get the nature of professional sports. That's just the learning curve for some of them. Some of them will learn it and be better off for it. Some of them won't and they won't be here. That's not unique to our team. That's not unique to professional sports. Every young guy that comes into this league and every league has to figure it out and find a way. And we're here to help them, but eventually you got to say, this guy's not worth it. I mean, he's not worth it. So you eventually have to make a decision with them. And 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 these guys, Lozon and Zaboral, there's there's scouts here that 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 aren't classifying Lozon as as good. He's, when he goes back for the puck, he's got a plan. The scout said, he's already made up his mind and where he's going to go with it. But he still makes those passes. So I don't know what this scout's watching. But. I, I, and then you go to Saboral, and the scout says he's a vanilla defenseman, a disappointing first-round pick who never dominated in the American League. And the, the, the scout continues, I feel bad for Jared Tenorti and Stephen Kampfer. They are what they are. Ugh, it's just... <sighs> so you need help there on the back end. The back end has become a problem. They started good, but it's a problem now. It's a problem. Kevin Miller and Brandon Carlo are keep getting hurt. Charlie McAvoy is going to probably get injured sooner or later because he can't do this thing by himself. So it just is, what are we going to do? We They're saying we need to trade for a goalie. They're saying we need to trade for defense. They're saying we need to trade for more scoring. They're screwed. They're screwed, and the and the New York Islanders just got Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac, and Travis Zajac. The New York Islanders have acquired acquired forwards Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac. Travis Zajac, who has played his whole ten plus year uh, career for the New Jersey Devils, uh, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac from the New Jersey Devils in exchange for a 2021 first round pick. Forwards A.J. Greer and Mason Jobst and a conditional fourth-round pick in 2022, the Islanders announced Wednesday. That's a good trade. That's a good trade because the the the, the Islanders could use a boost and the Devils could use some picks. And the Islanders will probably mess around and get those picks back, you know, uh, uh, somehow. But there you go. Now the New York Islanders are a wildly better team than you so think about that think about that as we as we go and celebrate continue to celebrate the 46th anniversary 
of Aerosmith's Toys in the Attic. Man, this Bruins team, they got a lot of questions to answer, and they don't have a lot of time to answer them. So we'll see what happens then. But right now, it's time for some more Aerosmith. And then, you know what? A song of my choice, because I feel like it. It's Jake's Take. We're going to talk about the Boston Red Sox when we come back. How about it? We got Red Sox baseball that's actually worth talking about. It's like so exciting. It's so exciting. The Red Sox are back, hopefully. Yeah, we'll talk about it on the other side of the break. It's Walk This Way. Don't go anywhere. WMLN 91.5. Belichick is, is out of his mind. I don't know what's wrong with this guy. Can we please, can we please get rid of this guy? He sucks. You know what? I hate this team. I'm not even a Boston fan anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it. I can't. You're listening to Jake's Take on Curry College Radio. Dahlbeck the batter. Bobby's flyed out, popped up, struck out today, 0 for 3. Line drive, scooped up, out at second. That's the ball game, and one that was over fast. Baltimore sweeps the Red Sox 11-3, the final here on Easter Sunday. One ugly start for Alex Cora. What went wrong in your first two class innings uh i mean to be honest i mean i was throwing throwing a lot of strikes uh it just kind of seemed like uh, every ball that was put in play just kind of fell um you know i got beat on the shift a couple times today um walked a couple guys uh later in the in the count um the franco at bat i mean i just wasn't going to give in um with a base open on first um but other than that, I mean, delivery felt good. Physically, I felt good um, just trying to fill up the zone. And unfortunately, every ball that was put in play just wasn't around somebody who had a glove on. My God, how laughable is that statement? I mean, dude, do you know what town you're in? Oh, I was throwing was throwing strikes, and just unfortunately every ball that was put in play just wasn't around someone with a glove on. Yeah, says every pitcher who's ever had a bad game ever. Unfortunately, every ball that was put in play, there just, uh, there just wasn't a guy with a glove there. Yeah, says every pitcher who's ever gotten lit up. Like, what? come on, dude. Garrett Richards, how about that? I mean, how did you see that the other day? Did you see that the other day? I mean, how terrible, how terrible was that? Just embarrassing. I mean, and listen, I know that the Red Sox, they came back and they swept the Rays the last couple of days here, but I can't, I can't proceed in this show Without talking about, I mean, without at least kind of talking about, what the hell was that? That opening series. Literally, all you have to do is get off to a fast start, and you go out and you do that for three games against the Baltimore freaking Orioles. I can't name one player on that team, truthfully. 
This is how tuned out of baseball I've been. But the Baltimore Orioles, we all know they suck. Like, first three games, everybody, everybody in town is like, fast start, fast start, fast start. Come on, guys. Like, you need to start strong here. And you got the Orioles, six out of nine of the first game, of six out of the first nine games. I mean, that was shameful. I just couldn't have been more disgusted from, from what I was watching. I, yeah, Anybody caught my tweet about it? They should still be ashamed of that start, by the way. Like, I don't care what happened the last couple of days. They, they should still, you still need to look at that as a motivating point for this season because that's an unacceptable way to start. We need to get people tuned back in. We need to get people back in front of the TV. People want their Red Sox back. They're ready for the Red Sox to be back. And the first three days of the season are spent giving those people every single reason to throw their hands in the air and walk away from the TV. It pisses you off, and it should. It should. Because a team that means this much in this area of the country, we take it seriously around here. We take all our teams seriously around here. And, and, and you come out and you do that against the only team that was supposed to be worse than you. The only team that was supposed to suck more than you were. You come out and you do that against them. It just is... It, it, was, it was horrible. It was horrible. And... It, it, it really was interesting to hear... People talk about it too. Like... I'm here, I, I'm listening to the Sports Hub this week, and they're talking about, like, they're getting texts from people that they know, and these guys are connected around this town. These guys know everybody because everybody listens to their show, so everybody wants to talk to them about sports. And all these guys who work at the Sports Hub are just, I mean, it's terrible. They're just... Get they're get, they're talking about getting texts from people they know who care about the Red Sox, who care about this team, who want to see this team do good, and they are are just sitting there saying, "What is going on with the Baltimore Orioles?" If you didn't sit there on uh, you you know what now see now I'm getting my days mixed up, like now I'm just a stupid guy on the radio getting my days mixed up. Um, but if you sat there and watched that game on, what was it? Sunday. Yeah. Sunday. And Garrett Richards, just absolutely just dreadful, just dreadful. And it it was, it made me so angry, like the anger. I just couldn't believe how angry I was because I didn't think like, oh, I barely cared about the Red Sox last season. I, I I could never have pictured being that mad at the Red Sox. I it just couldn't it, it didn't come to mind. And then I watched this guy just keep lobbing these meatballs, just absolute meatballs over the 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 high middle part of the plate. And it's like, dude. They're going to put that on the mass pike every single time. That's going to the Ted Williams red seat every time. You you can't get away in this modern baseball league anymore. You can't get away with not throwing a fastball. I mean, a lot of guys do it, but when you're a guy like Garrett Richards who's trying to rebuild your career, 
dude, throw a 94-mile-an-hour pitch every once in a while because when you are leaving the ball over the plate like that, high over the plate, and all you throw is off-speed, you have, you're toast like he was in that game. All he throws is off-speed. Every The batter knows. The batter is sitting there in the box, and he knows that every single pitch is going to be like between like 83 and 87 miles an hour as opposed to like the 94 and 95 fastball. And for people who think that it's only 10 miles an hour, I'll tell you something right now. When it's only coming from 60 feet away, it's a huge difference. We'll just clarify that. But I just can't believe I'll, I'll play I'll play you the sound for him for you. I'll play the, I'll play Garrett Richards at the press conference again for you. And tell me that this doesn't just like it, it just makes you feel like the guy doesn't take it seriously. Here it is. What went wrong in your first two class events? Uh, I mean. To be honest, I mean, I was throwing, on, throwing a lot of strikes. Uh, it just kind of seemed like uh, every ball that was put in play just kind of fell. Um, you know, I got beat on the shift a couple times Oh, yeah, times they just today. fell. Um, walked a couple guys uh, later in the, in the count. Um, the Franco at bat, I mean, I just wasn't going to give in um, with a base open on first. Um, but other than that, I mean, delivery felt good. Physically, I felt good. Um, Looked just horrible. trying to fill up the zone. And unfortunately, every ball that was put in play just wasn't around somebody who had a glove on. Don't you wish that, though, like when you were a pitcher, when you pitch? Like, don't you wish that it's ideal, right, that every time the uh, that a guy puts the ball in play, that uh, when you're the pitcher, that, like, you want a guy with a glove around? Like, I was just about to say something, but I can't swear on the radio. And it just is like, cool, dude. Cool. Nobody with a glove was around. That's all you're going to say after you pitched. You didn't even get out of the third inning. You didn't even get an out in the third inning. So, and you're just going to sit there and be like, I felt good. Delivery felt good. Well, it looked like crap. I'll tell you something like right now, that delivery looked like crap. That every 86 mile an hour right over the the middle part of the plate. I mean, just an absolute meatball. Like what? That is just, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. You can't do that. You can't be like that. In this town. And it just is, it goes to show, it's clear that... It, the only other places he's played are Anaheim and San Diego because you can talk like that in Anaheim and San Diego. But over here where we care about our baseball team, it's a little different. It's a little different. And the fact that he just kind of brushes off the bad performance and he said somewhere in there, he said, I have 32 more starts. Uh, do you? Because I'll tell you something right now. If you have 32 more starts like that, you're <laughs> not going to have 32 more starts. And on the Sports Hub today after the Felger and Maz program, Jared Carabas from Barstool Sports, the big baseball guy over there at Barstool Sports, was on with Tony Maz, a couple of baseball guys chalking it up. But, I mean, Carabas had a good point. Carabas said that, you know, Garrett Richards isn't going to be bad. He isn't going to be that bad every time out. 
but is he still going to be bad? I mean, I, I really don't like these guys who don't throw fastballs. It, it makes me nervous. It just really does. And his attitude after that game, I think, is very telling. But, you know, hey, it's all uh, it's all good because guess what? The Red Sox are kind of back in it now. I, I, I just, you know, I, I know that they had that great week or, or that great series against the Rays, but I just felt like I that was the worst opening by a team that I've ever seen. Worst opening that I've ever seen. And just after how much I wanted them to have a big opening, how much I expected them to be good off the bat for once, and then it just completely just blows up in their face. I want to talk about the 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 good on the other side of the break, but I just felt like it was just it was it was completely, completely unnecessary to not address the absolute travesty that was that weekend against the Orioles. So on the other side of the top of the hour break, we will talk about the much better scenario, which was the three-game set against the Tampa Bay Rays, the defending American League champs. Yeah, the Red Sox actually pulled out a great series against that team. So we'll talk about that and more. We got I got a March Madness review coming up for you in the next hour play some more songs for you and in the last little bit we'll get into some patriots talk and tonight's last take a big big question about the future of the boston celtics it's all coming up in the next hour we'll take in your up to 11 o'clock here on jake's take do not go anywhere we'll be right back 91.5 wmln fn curry college radio milton boston So it falls to J.D. Martinez. Two down in the 12th, but two men ready to score. That one's driven to right field. Rosarena backing up, backing up. It's over his head! It's over his head! And the Red Sox are going to win the game! Two-run score! Boston wins! Yeah, so that was, wasn't that fun to watch last night? I mean, the Sox with an inspiring win last night. I mean, I thought they were out of that game. I, you know, I thought, you know, we, we were just about to get the sweep against the Rays, and it, the Rays came back. They got one from us and kind of killed Red Sox momentum. They were gonna go. They were gonna stay under 500, and they had a chance to 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 get to 500. So I was upset there midway through that game. But what do you know? They come back. They tie it at three. And uh, it's been a big rebound, big rebound this week, and I'm I've I've been really happy. I was happy with what I saw today. I turned on the game today when it was already nine to one. I didn't think they were playing until tonight, and then I forgot the game was on YouTube today, YouTube. Oh, um, and man, I they played. I I didn't even have really have the volume up for that game, but they played some of the audio from it today on the radio, and oh man, those announcers were bad. And YouTube, my goodness, if they're going to want people to tune into those games, they are going to have to do something about that. Oh, the commentary was bad. It was bad. 
So, um, but uh, it's been a big rebound for the Red Sox. Last night was fun to watch, and you know why it was a it was a great sign to see that because this team has some fight in them. They have some fight. Cora has come back in, and he's he's really made it clear that they can't take anything for granted this year because they aren't that good. And last night looked like they, you know, they really had something to prove. And later in that game, they came on with some purpose. They did. I thought, you know, J.D. Martinez kind of made a, a silly mistake there in the eighth inning. He's been the spark of the offense, though, but but what the hell was that base running error in the eighth inning last night? Basically, what happened was there was a fly ball to right field. It was caught by the right fielder, and J.D. Martinez was on second base, and he thought that there was two outs and that he didn't have to tag up. For anybody who doesn't know the tag-up rule in baseball, look it up because I'm not going to explain it right now. But he thought there was only, or he thought there was two outs, so he thought he had to run no matter what. It turns out there was only one. And he started to, he, ran, he just took off from second, ran around third into home, not realizing he needed to tag up. So they threw the ball to second base, and he was out. And after the game, he was kind of making a joke about it, like, you know, that, like, dude, you you killed a potential game-tying rally, and you're, you're lucky enough for Christian Vasquez coming up in the ninth to tie it with the home run. I mean, that was a shot, too. How about that from Christian Vasquez? Man, I was pumped to see that. I mean, that was it. just it, it, that right there. I was like, you know what? They're going to win this thing. They got a chance to win this thing. And what do you know? They end up winning it in 12. They went and it both teams ended up scoring some more runs. I had to walk away from the TV a few times during the extra innings. So I didn't see didn't see all the runs come in during the extra innings. But, you know, they tie it during extra innings and J.D. Martinez comes up and he redeems himself. He, 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 he redeems himself. I will give him that. But he's been the spark of the offense this year, and I give him a lot of credit. But he needs to make he needs to kind of he kind of was making a joke about it. He needs to take more accountability for a mistake like that. I mean, come on, you could have very easily spoiled the game. And I mean, the next inning they had you down to your last strike. So you got to take more accountability for that. You got to can't happen. And I guess in the Nesson interview right after the game, he did say that he he said it it, it can't happen. But I don't know. I thought they were I, I thought they looked really good last night. They gave you a reason to feel good about them last night, and that I will give the Red Sox. So they have that. And uh, just a quick pivot here as I'm getting the alerts coming into my phone. The Celtics have beaten the New York Knicks at TD Garden tonight by a final score of a uh, 101 to 99. Um, I am seeing that Jalen Brown had 32 points, three assists, and 10 rebounds. Pretty nice for Jalen. Uh, so the Celtics get a much-needed win tonight against the Knicks. We'll talk a little bit about them at the very end of the show. But back to the Red Sox. thought Martin Perez looked pretty good last night. I think Nathan Yavaldi been solid in both of his outings. I mean, he throws some absolute heat. Hey, Garrett Richards, that's the guy who actually throws a fastball. 
See how good it works? See how good it works when you actually throw a fastball and you don't just throw 86-mile-an-hour meatballs right over the middle of the plate? I think that I, I, I think that Nathan Yavaldi is going to be a bright spot in this pitching rotation. I, I really do. And Jared Carabas made a good point about the Yankees pitching rotation today, and he said the Yankees are kind of like the Red Sox in that you have Garrett Cole, and then really it's a bunch of question marks under him. So pitching-wise, the Yankees compare to you. Though the Yankees are going to be a wildly better team, they have a, the the pitching is a weak link. So that's good to see that yavaldi has been good in both of his starts. We're getting Eduardo Rodriguez back tomorrow, so that I mean I'm 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 happy to see that. I think he's really come along, and I've done I've done plenty of bashing of him on this show before. So it's good to finally see him making some strides and coming back into the the rotation here. So we'll see how he does tomorrow against the Orioles. They desperately need a win against the Orioles tomorrow. They got you got to go out and prove something against that team because they had your number in those first three games. Whoo, that was bad. <clears throat> but I'll take three and three for right now. I'll take three and three after the way the season started. Man, that was just horrible. It was just so bad. And I know the first three games really sucked, and I still stand by my tweet the other day about how they should they should kind of be ashamed of the way that they came out and use that as a focal point of motivation this season. I think that's what you should do. You should use that first three games as a focal point of motivation for this season because that, I think that's the most embarrassed Boston has been with the Red Sox in a long, long time, since the 60s. I mean... That's why it was so important to come out against the Rays and do what you did. It's just weird. I don't know how to feel against about this team. They come out, they do that against one of the worst teams in the league, and then they come out and do what they did against the defending American League champs. I just, I, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. It's kind of like all Boston teams. But I'll take three and three. You get Eduardo Rodriguez back tomorrow and Tanner Houck. You know, is probably going to get sent down to the minors. I don't, I don't love him getting sent back to Worcester. I get that he's the most ideal guy to send down because of his his youth and his contract situation. It's good to keep him on standby in case anybody in the rotation starts to fall off or is he gets hurt or whatever. But after the way he pitched and the way Richards pitched, if Garrett Richards goes out like that again, I think you have to seriously think about giving Hauk some more starts. I really do. I mean, he pitched good. In that second game, I mean that was it, it was it was good. Really, the only guy that's pitched like crap, the start only starter that's pitched like crap, is Garrett Richards. So, if he has another start or two like this, you got to seriously think about getting Tanner Houck in there some more. And Rafael Devers also hasn't been good at third base, and defense was a part of the problem for them in that Orioles series. So it, somebody somebody said Rafael Devers looks like Cam Newton at third base. So I thought that was pretty funny. But they say that Bobby Dahlbeck has, you know, has experience at third base and can play good third base. Flip him. They've been saying that on Felger and Maz all week. Flip him. Put Devers at first base, put Dahlbeck at third, and see what you get. 
you might have to throw a few things against the wall and see if they stick this year because that's going to be the kind of year that it, it would be. But here at the bottom line, here's what I want from the Red Sox this season. Just stay in the thing. Please don't have to be a beast of a team. You don't have to be a behemoth. You don't have to go on any crazy winning streaks. You don't have to go fall. You don't even really have to go deep in the playoffs. Just just get to the playoffs and then we'll have a different conversation. Please. Regular season playoffs. I, just, I don't even want to talk about playoffs right now. Just get there and then we'll start having that conversation. But give me a reason to tune in. Please. Just That's all I want. Red Sox, I just want you to give me a reason to sit in front of the TV and do this thing because I I want to love baseball again. I want to love it so bad, man, but it's got to start becoming watchable and the nerds, the analytics and all of it. Get the hell out of here. Stop making it, you know, either the 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 nerds and the analytics aspect of the game that everything goes by percentage and all of it has dumb the game down to home run or strikeout and it's just it's stupid it's not a good way to play baseball and you know what else they need to do they need to get rid of that damn shift that shift where they shift for right-handed hitters and they shift for left-handed hitters tell the guys they have to stay on their own side of second base make them work out there in the field make them actually have to fight for it if a ball is hitting the gap good make the pitcher be more strategic let's play baseball again and get the nerds out of here. And the analytics and all of that crap. Let's play baseball again. And people will start turning on their TVs again. People will start caring about it again. And if the Red Sox can, you know, string something together here, people will start caring about them too. But for the Red Sox, you don't have to be a contender. You don't have to destroy everyone. Just please give me a baseball season. That's all I want. Just give me a baseball season. After those first three games, I was worried. I was worried about not having a baseball season. No one cared last year, you know, because they they started super late because of COVID. They played a, they played short and it di- a short season, and it didn't feel as legit. But this year, we're ready for baseball to be back. I'm ready for baseball to be back. I want it to be back, and it just it needs to be back. But this year, we're, we're it's it you're you were in danger of having a, a, a fan base that was going to tune it out, and the Red Sox have to give the fan base a reason to stay invested. At the very least, you're in danger of people really losing interest in this team and the sport. And those first three games made it feel like the team wasn't really in tune with any of that. They weren't really in tune with the fact that everyone was about to tune them out because it was huge that they didn't start fast since that's all they really needed to do. But all I want you to do this year is give me pitching that can get guys into at least the fifth or the sixth inning every night. Keep yourselves in it with the bats and be able to make the routine plays in the field. Be able to do the the routine stuff in the field. Do that and give me something to watch. But the last three games, I mean, the last the, the the last three games that they have played against the defending American League champs, it gives you a reason to tune in. And if you haven't tuned in, you should tune in. 
because it's starting to look like we we got a baseball season here. We'll see how Eddie Rodriguez does against the Orioles tomorrow, but it's it's starting to show that we probably got we're we're probably going to have a baseball season, and I am totally here for that. Uh, I've just I've so much just had enough of the constant just not having any reason to care about baseball. It really it it stinks. So. That's just, it's good to see that the Red Sox, they're getting Eduardo Rodriguez back tomorrow. They can get some redemption, hopefully, against the the Orioles. So, it's all it's all going to be very interesting to see. But uh, that's all I got for you on the Red Sox for right now. Coming up on the other side of the break, I'll talk about, I'll give my little review of the March Madness Basketball Tournament and what I thought of that. And that, you know, that final four, what a final four we were, we were treated to. And it's, uh, I didn't watch as much of it this year, but right now it's Lola by the Kinks. Don't go anywhere on Jake's take. Belichick is is out of his mind. I don't know what's wrong with this guy. Can we please, can we please get rid of this guy? He sucks. You know what? I hate this team. I'm not even a Boston fan anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it. I can't. You're listening to Jake's Take on Curry College Radio. Juzang. Again with the ball in his hands, in the paint, floater, short, got it back, ties it with three. Gonzaga has time to do something. Socks for the win. Oh, oh yes! Oh, yes! Unbelievable! Unbelievable! The perfect season remains on go! Are you? Oh, my God! There is! There are onions, Jim, and then there are major! Scott Drew's dream comes true. Coach Drew and Baylor complete college basketball's greatest rebound and rebuild with a championship. Yeah, it is a long way to the top of that basketball mountain, that college basketball mountain, Baylor. They have reached the pinnacle of college basketball, and what a great story that is, Coach Drew down there. Building that program up, he's been down there 18 years. Baylor gets the national championship win. And uh, But I want to talk about that first Final Four game. That first... Final four game, well, I should say the second final four game. 
Baylor absolutely dominated Houston in the first one. Started at 5.30, by the way. What is with the final four games starting at 5.30 Eastern, the most primetime event in college, in like one of the most primetime events in all of sports for the entire calendar year. And the final four starts at 5.30 p.m., like before everybody's like home and able to sit in front of their TV. I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Like, I just didn't get that. But Gonzaga versus UCLA. Wire to wire reminded us all of why we watch sports. That basketball game is a healthy reminder, sports fans, of why you sit in front of your TVs and do this. It's why you subject yourself to this. And when, when like... When I say one of the most amazing games I've ever seen, I don't say that lightly. Like, one of the best basketball games I've ever watched. One of the best. Maybe the best. That Villanova game with the, the kid had the buzzer beater to win the national championship. I mean, that... I mean, that was something. Speaking of Villanova... Um, Someone from my hometown, Cole Swider, actually, who I who I grew up with and knew in in school, was 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 friends with for a while. Uh, he's actually transferring to Villanova, or I'm sorry, to Syracuse from Villanova, uh, and it's going to be really cool to see a kid from my hometown play for for Jim Beheim. So uh, shout to Cole Swider. Wish him the best of luck at Syracuse next year. Go win that national title. But but that that NCAA tournament this year, and specifically that Final Four game, I didn't watch much of the tournament this year. I don't know why. I just didn't didn't watch as much of it as I usually do. So that was weird. But that Final Four game, UCLA versus Gonzaga, that's why you watch sports, man. That game. And I want to talk a little bit about the college versus pro debate because after that game, you know, after Jalen Suggs hits that buzzer beater from half court and just what a beautiful shot that thing was. He just squared that thing up and nailed it. He took it to the bank. Uh, but I want to talk about this little this college versus pro debate that I've that I've heard a lot of, especially in the last year. You know, with everybody talking about college football and how Alabama has monopolized the whole thing. This is what I want to tell you. And and yes, I agree that stuff like that is annoying. Alabama football, it's it's annoying. And Clemson and you know how they kind of dominate too. It's it sucks. But I want to talk about this college versus pro debate and I want people to understand one thing. People with a bias against college sports. College players are not the athletes that pro athletes are. I'll say that again. College Athletes and pro athletes are not the same athletes. Pro athletes are way better at what they do. So if you can't get a grip on that going in, you won't enjoy it. Like, yeah, I look at college football and it's not as good as the NFL. It's still good football. I know going in. This isn't an NFL game. It is a college game. 
if you can't take those blinders off before you sit in front of the TV, then yeah, you're going to have a hard time watching it. I mean, for sure. So you have to understand that. Like these are, it's you're comparing college athletes to pro athletes. By the way, Gonzaga would get beat by an NBA team. People were saying that after that UCLA game. Gonzaga would get beat by an NBA team. So would Baylor. It wouldn't be close. Okay. The, 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 who was the worst team in the NFL this year? The, you know, the New York Jets. Or the, um, the, the, the LA Chargers or whoever one of the, I'm blanking on like who the worst teams in the NFL were this year. The Detroit Lions, like, you know, these teams, the Owen 16 NFL teams, college teams could play against them and they would lose and it wouldn't be close because it's pro athletes versus college athletes. And if you don't know the difference between them going in, you're not going to enjoy it. But here's the thing. The NBA never, never has games like that. Never. Not like that. Not like that. It's still more stopping. It's still more... It's still just not as much action to me. I watched the NBA playoffs last year. The Celtics went deep. I like I watched it. It's not the same to me. It's not as exciting. The NBA doesn't have games like that. But you watch this tournament and you realize that these kids are playing basketball. It's not go down, ridiculous three, back down to the other end, no pass. The guy isos and just drives. And then, you know, foul or no foul, someone yells at the refs, back down, the point guard stands there, you bounce pass inside, maybe he kicks it out for three. It's so freaking redundant how they play basketball in that league. And it's pretty, it's actually, it's refreshing. It's refreshing how they play it in college. It is. And you know what else? That NBA stuff, it disgusts me. That, that you people find it more entertaining than the NHL. It's so maddening. Wee! The Lakers and Nets will be in the finals. Wee! Oh, so exciting! Just to sit here and act like we we don't already know. The Utah Jazz are gonna are gonna shoot themselves in the foot. They're not gonna get past LeBron. The Nets will make it out of the East, maybe the Sixers, and whoever it is will lose to the Lakers. That's just what will happen. And so, okay, maybe one of them beats the Lakers. It's going to be Nets-Lakers in the finals. And if it's not Nets-Lakers, it's going to be Lakers-Sixers. Like, there's there's like three teams that I'm narrowing it down to. The Jazz, the Jazz aren't... Uh, uh, Okay, maybe I'll give the Jazz the chance out of the West if I'm giving the Sixers the chance out of the East. But, like, that's it. The Jazz will fall. I'm saying the Jazz will fall on their face because they have to play LeBron. But that Nets team, they could implode. So, I guess maybe that's why I give the Jazz less of a chance. But anyway, this this basketball tournament, it just, I, I, I think that there's another, there's another thing that I got here. I, oh, by the way, I do also think Real quick, I do think that the men should play quarters in NCAA basketball like the women play quarters. I was watching the Women's National Championship the other night. It was a good game. 
Uh, it's good to see Stanford get the uh, get the championship there. I kind of wanted to see Arizona win that game, though. Kind of wanted Arizona to win the women's national championship. They kind of seemed like the underdogs. I kind of wanted to see them win. But the the women play three or they they play quarters, and I don't know. I think the, I feel like the men should play quarters. Maybe take a timeout away for each team and just give them both an automatic timeout in the middle of the second half. But what I want to get to is Gonzaga. Why did we all know that they were going to do that? Why did we all know that they were going to do that in the national championship game? I knew that Gonzaga, everybody had Gonzaga going so far and 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 all of that. And what do you know? Gonzaga comes out here and it just is like they they were never in that game. That national championship game, they were not in that game for one second. And it just was disappointing. It was disappointing because let me let me pull up my let me pull up my ESPN app here and go to Gonzaga. Gonzaga, like I'm gonna count right now. I'm gonna count how many how many good teams Gonzaga played this year. We'll go back to their schedule starting in November. Uh, they had the Fort Myers tip off. Um, so they were supposed to play. It's funny, they were supposed to play Baylor the first game of the season. Um, that's interesting. That game was canceled. They had their first several games canceled because of COVID. Okay. So their first game is against Iowa, who finished number three. It was a good team. They also played uh, Virginia a few weeks later in December. Then the next month, in the month of January, you want to know how many ranked teams Gonzaga played against? Zero. You got scores like 85 to 62, 86 to 69, 116 to 88, 95 to 70, 73 to 59, 95 to 49, 90 to 62, 97 to 75. Let's go to February. Oh, how many ranked teams did Gonzaga play in February? Uh, zero. What were the scores? 76 to 58. That was 82 to 71 against BYU. That's respectable. 100 to 61. 85 to 67. 106 to 69. 89 to 75. 86 to 69. This team hasn't seen a good team all year. Gonzaga, they haven't played against anybody all year until just recently when they had to play against um, Norfolk State was the 16th seed they played against. They beat them 98-55. to Then they played against Oklahoma, beat them by 16. Then they played Creighton, beat them by 8. And uh, then they played... USC, I mean, you had to obviously in the tournament here, you had to play some good teams down the stretch, and I guess that's where they prove themselves. But then Baylor comes in and absolutely slaps you in the face because you haven't seen a good team all year. And everybody always puts Gonzaga to go all the way, and everybody does that, and everybody does this and with Gonzaga, and everybody thinks they're going to be a big deal. They always blow it. They always blow it. They, always, they, they either lose early or they get far, and the, when they do make a run and they eventually lose, it's an embarrassing loss because the team, they just run into a team 
that is so much better than them because they don't have to see good teams all season long, and I don't understand why they are a number one seed every year. It doesn't make sense. It really, really doesn't. But that's, I mean, I guess that they'll just keep being a number one seed, and uh, I don't know. But it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It really doesn't. I don't get it. So that's what I got for March Madness. We will talk some New England Patriots a little bit on the other side of the break. We'll uh, play a couple of tunes for you here. The New England Patriots, the Jimmy G to the Pats talk seems to be dying away. And the Jets made a big trade this week. They traded their quarterback to the Carolina Panthers. We'll talk about that coming up next, and we'll play you a couple of tunes as well. Don't go anywhere. WMLN, Curry College Radio. Let me ask you, do you have faith, do you trust Bill Belichick to get the quarterback thing right, just specifically the quarterback thing? No, I don't. Um, I, I trust Bill Belichick to get a quarterback in town who will win 10 or 11 games. I trust Josh McDaniels to find a quarterback and pull the right levers and press the right buttons to extract some wins that he wouldn't otherwise have done because he just did it. But look, I, I, I don't know if he, and Michael, I think you share this belief. He just did it for 20 years with a sixth round pick. When the sixth round pick got hurt, he put a seventh round pick in and won 11 games. He created a Super Bowl starter in Jimmy Garoppolo, really, who did most of his development here, who came out of FCS. He, you know, on and on and on, all the first round and number one pick quarterback pelts that he has on his belt. He's not going to say, I have to go and get this, you know, decorated quarterback that everybody loves. He's going to try and do it in a different way. And, and that's okay because he is that good a coach. All right. So that's Patriots beat writer, Tom Curran. Talking about the uh, Patriots quarterback situation, and I gotta—I just gotta—I got a few things I want to say. I think, first of all, I think Curran's completely right. I—I I, don't—I don't trust Belichick to do the complete right thing with the quarterback. I, I just—that's not where I'm at. That's not where I—that's not where I think that they'll be. I'm just not confident in that. Um, and I gotta hurry up with this bit here because I am up against it a little bit. But. Jimmy G to the Pats is seeming less likely. You know the the Niners. It, it, it just it just is starting to seem like the the Patriots might move in a different direction, but the Jets trade Sam Darnold to the Carolina Panthers in exchange for some the fourth and sixth round pick this year. Uh. Or it was like a sixth round pick this year and a second and fourth next year or something like that. Um, but the Jets, you know, I think that that's a good thing. I think that that's a good thing because, you know, the Jets just weren't going to... If you were looking for a trade for Sam Darnold and you're the Patriots, you know, you... The Jets weren't just going to give you Sam Darnold and risk him becoming the next franchise QB in New England. They're not going to do that within their own division. This means that another team in the list of teams ahead of you in the draft is out on a quarterback. The Panthers were at number eight in the draft. They just got Sam Darnold. They're not going to draft the quarterback now. So 
that opens up more room for one of these quarterbacks to fall to you. The Niners trade was bad for you because they're probably going to trade Jimmy G and use the third pick for a QB, but do they trade Jimmy G to you is the question because are do what are you going to give up? What do you have to give up? You get a second-round pick? They might want more. They might want more. And Jimmy G has the no trade in his contract, so he's allowed to shoot down any trade that the Niners tried to make for him. Or to make with him, I should say. He can shoot down anything. And it it, it doesn't... It, it, the Niners can't do anything about it. But Jeff Howe over at The Athletic is saying that, you know, they might trade down. Are you kidding me? Jeff Howe says... Now, before you rip off your ears and your skin crawls away, let's run through two key points. First, the Patriots will continue to kick the tires on trading up for a quarterback, but last month the trade between 49ers, between the 49ers and Miami Dolphins reset the price point. It's also up to the Atlanta Falcons to host a bidding war for the number four pick, which is now the projected landing spot for the fourth best quarterback in the draft, which means the top four picks are going to be quarterbacks. That's what that means. But, you know, I, I hate that. Trading down. God. Trading down. They're not going to, they better not trade down. But Burt Breer of Sports Illustrated, he writes his column. He received a question on Twitter that said, With Carolina out of the quarterback draft sweepstakes and Denver being the only team above New England outside the top three or four that need or want a QB. Does this change the way that New England proceeds with their plan at number 15? Burt Breer writes, I'm not sure it will. I still think if you're the Patriots, you have to have your radar up for the Lions, Panthers, and Broncos taking one. And go on the assumption that one will likely go at number four. Whether the Falcons are taking aim at him or it's another team trading up into their spot, which means... That sitting and waiting at number 15 for a guy to fall to you would be a shaky strategy. Could it happen? Sure. But if the Patriots feel strongly enough about a quarterback to take him in the first round, then they should be comfortable moving up for him. And if they don't feel that strongly, it's fair to question whether they should take a guy or whether they should take that guy at number 15. I'd keep an eye. That's big. If they don't feel that strongly about moving up, then what makes you think they should take him at number 15? If they don't feel he's valuable. So, uh, Burt Breer continues, I'd keep an eye on the Patriots potentially getting aggressive if Justin Fields were to start sliding, and that's just a hunch, nothing more. If it's not that, there are guys later on, like Kellen, Mo like Kellen Mond and Davis Mills and Kyle Trask, who might make sense on day two. So if you're if you if, I think if you're the Patriots and not looking to move up for the guy then you're absolutely insane. Like I don't get how you couldn't see the benefit of moving up in this draft. You got to go get the guy. Go get the guy. Just go get him. You have all the pieces in place, so move up in the draft and get the guy of the future. Get the next Tom Brady. Go in there, go out there and just and and do it. Just go do it. Go get the guy. 
I just want to see them make an aggressive move and draft someone who I can get excited for. That's really, that's really all I want. That's it's it's really all that I, I'm I'm looking for. So, it just it, it, I wish that they would just go out and just get the freaking guy. I just really wish they would do it. But that's it for the Patriots talk. Tonight's the last take comes your way next. Don't go anywhere. Belichick is is out of his mind. I don't know what's wrong with this guy. Can we please, can we please get rid of this guy? He sucks. You know what? I hate this team. I'm not even a Boston fan anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I can't do it. I can't. You're listening to Jake's Take on Curry College Radio. Well, what do you know? It's uh, time for me to get going here, but wouldn't be time for me to get going if it weren't for tonight's last take on Jake's Take. Uh, so what is tonight's last take is just, it's, it's really more of a question. It's a question. I'll leave it up to you, Boston fans. Is this the end? Is this the end for the connection that we know as Brad Stevens and the Boston Celtics? Is Brad Stevens no longer going to be the coach of the Boston Celtics? Because at some point you have to look at your young core you have to look at what you have on your team, and you have to realize that at some point, the coach is the problem. Look at what the Philadelphia 76ers just did. You made the Philadelphia 76ers look like absolute fools a couple of years ago with the way that you drafted and the way that they drafted. You made the Nets look like fools, the way the trades that you made. And then look at what ended up happening. I mean, it's just an unfortunate state of affairs with the Celtics. It really is. And fortunately, they get the win tonight. But again, look at that Sixers team last night. You walloped the Sixers in the playoffs last year. You swept them out of the playoffs last year. And now look at them this year. They bring in Doc Rivers and poof. They are a way better team than you. They have lapped you they have catapulted you out of the spot that you were in and they have wedged their own space in it and it's a really 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 unfortunate state of affairs with the Celtics and you have to wonder that if making trades or whatever is is not doing it then maybe the coach or crap maybe even the GM has to go I don't know but that's going to do it for me here on Jake's Take, it has, uh, it's been a pleasure for you. By the way, we got one more album celebration uh, on this Wednesday night. I figured it would be good to end with this one. Uh, you know that song, Rocket Man by Elton John? Yeah, that came out on April 7th, 1972. It's uh, f- uh, 49 years old today. Rocket Man by Elton John is 49 years old today but that's jake's take for this wednesday night catch me back here same day same time next week on wmln 91.5 fm curry college radio catch the podcast tomorrow if you couldn't catch the whole episode 
It's Elton John. Happy 49th birthday to the song Rocket Man. See you next week on Jake's Take. Good night. As a kite by then.